Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Samantha, who I'm going to call Sam because I've called you Sam the entire time I've known you. So we'll, just, right we'll, keep, we'll keep Samantha in your bio, but to me, you're Sam. So always and forever. Always. So Samantha Wingate is a 33 year old mom of a six, almost seven year old girl. Oh my gosh, I can't believe she's that old. I feel so old right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she is married. She's been married to Michael, her husband, for seven years together. Um, for so you've been seven years together, but you've been married for almost eight, right? Is that right? No, that doesn't make sense. How would I be together for seven years, married uh, for yeah. eight? I'm married for almost seven years. And been Didn't together. you want to go to school for accounting at one point in time? I, I really did. Now it's psychology. <laughs> it's a whole other part of the brain. So she is a full-time employee, mom, wife, and caregiver for her husband. Samantha, Samantha's husband is disabled due to an intractable, aka uncontrollable epilepsy, which we're going to talk more about in this episode. She's pretty much the definition of everything to everyone. Being a young caregiver for her young husband is extremely challenging, especially while working full-time and trying to raise her child. Samantha has worked for the same insurance company for almost 12 years. Oh, my gosh. I know. Someday. I don't feel like I'm old enough to work for somebody that long. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. We're getting old, man. I've known Samantha my. for... Uh, since for 20 years 20 years yeah yeah as a matter of fact I was talking to a friend of ours and whenever I write, say her name because I'm not she Aaron Dempsey who is that middle school oh. she's like four foot five inches tall she's super short real skinny mm. like she I was telling her about the podcast today and I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Megan. She's like, Megan Hall, she has a podcast? I want to look it up because she's really into podcasts. So you got a new subscription, by the way. Yeah. And I was like, you remember Megan Hall? And then I gave her your, I don't know if everybody knows your oh, name. Oh, yeah, it's name, okay. So I'll drop that out. And I was like, you remember Megan Deathpaw, right? She goes, oh, no way. And I was like, I know. <laughs> like, we had a moment for a second. She's like, oh, I'm totally going to listen to these. <laughs> I was like, oh, awesome. my goodness. <laughs> Jesus, I feel old. I know, dude. 20 years. 20 years. I met you when I was like 13. I don't even want to think about it. I know. I don't even want to think about it. Like, my daughter is almost there. Like, soon <laughs> enough, I'm going to be having to deal with her meltdowns. And, like, I told my husband the other day, like, I am actually looking forward to her black clothes stage. Like, I'm going to be like, yes. <laughs> my oldest, who is 16, imagine that, um, she is very much into being dressing emo and being emo she's like look at all of these things she like literally loses her shit every time she walks into hot topic i was just like oh my i'm like did you know one time my friend dressed me up in goth like attire and did my makeup 
And she was like, really? I was like, I got to find this. Remember that? You did it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was me. Of course it was me. <laughs> if I can find the picture, I will share it on Facebook and let everybody see this this picture of me. It was totally you. And I told my daughter, I'm like, you have no idea. I was like, I hung out with some awesome people. And she's like, Mom, you just seem so, like, too bubbly for that. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't know you very well, do she? I was like, I used to, yeah. I was, yeah. Anyways, we got to talk about you and Michael and your life together. I'd love for you to share with us, um, when was the first time that you experienced symptoms of um, epilepsy when it comes to Michael? Well, um, when he and I first got, to, when I first met Michael, within the first hour of meeting Michael, um, he had told me about his epilepsy. He's very, very upfront about it. The more people who do not know about it, the greater danger and risk he's put into. Huh. Um, it was, we, we met at a friend's house. I met him by chance. Honestly, it's crazy the way that things worked out because his stepfather and my uncle worked together for two years and we never crossed paths. That's it wasn't until... I know it wasn't until his, his stepfather left work where my uncle was working that we ended up meeting each other. Like his, my uncle knew his, who his mom was, like how I had never met him. I, I still don't understand, but either way we met and he told me about his epilepsy and I was like, okay, so what happens if you have a seizure? Like I was just like, no big deal. It's medical condition right. and he looked at me really crazy because most people do not respond to epilepsy like that they instantly oh, yeah. hit panic button you know oh my god you're gonna have a seizure oh my god you're gonna swallow your tongue oh, which by the way is physically impossible anybody listening to this physically impossible if i hear anybody say that somebody's that. gonna swallow their tongue i'm just gonna beat them about the face and head <laughs> try to swallow your tongue please no, I don't want to. <laughs> you can't. You use your tongue to swallow. It's the muscle in your tongue that allows your esophagus to move the food down. You can't swallow the thing that helps you swallow. No shit. Yeah. So um, all of the rules of put something in their mouth so they don't swallow their tongue, go ahead, put your finger in an epileptic's mouth. See if it gets bitten off. Oh. Because their teeth clench down when yeah. they go into a grand mal seizure. So anything you stick in their mouth is either going to break their teeth break your finger or end up injuring them in some way. So he set me straight on all the rules, you know, what, what happens and stuff like that. But he was really like very taken back by the fact that I wasn't appalled or turned away or turned off, I guess, by his epilepsy. And it, I would say it was a couple of weeks into us dating that he had his first seizure. I wasn't there when he had it, but, I dealt with the aftermath. He's very, um, he's extremely sore after a seizure. Like he can't, it's like he's been beaten up because he's literally, his, all of his muscles have been contracting and it can, it happens for anywhere for a minute to three minutes wow. for him. A three minute seizure is a really long one for him, but the way, that, the way your muscles seize, if they, t they continually tense, so the longer the seizure goes on, the more tense your muscles become. People can actually break bones from seizing too hard. Whoa. Yeah, Has Michael ever bones, broke a they, bone? 
Michael has dislocated his left shoulder repeatedly to the point oh. of having to have surgery to put it back in place because for almost six months, the, the little socket that it sits in had worn out that his arm was just kind of like dangling out of socket. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, he could still move it and use it, but as soon as he'd lift it up a certain way, it'd pop out of socket and he'd be in extreme pain. Um, so we had to have a surgery to get that repaired, um, unfortunately, due to continued, continued seizures he has to have the surgery redone. It's completely ripped everything out that was put in place by the doctor. So we have to have that done. Luckily, he's never broken any bones, but he has had to have, you know, stitches in his face and in his head because he's fallen. He was um, a chef at a assisted living facility um, and had a seizure while holding a very large, very hot pot of chili that he was serving to the residents. Yeah, that was a wonderful experience. His clothes, he smelled like tomato sauce for days. I'll never forget that. I couldn't get the smell of chili out of my house because everything was just soaked in it. Like, I mean, he's hurt himself. He's only had one seizure behind the wheel of a vehicle. Um, luckily, he veered to the right and went off the road instead of the left into oncoming traffic. And no one was hurt. He wasn't hurt. So he doesn't drive anymore. Um, and that was before he and I met. He's had his license back, I think, for all of six months since he and I were together. He went a year and a half without a seizure and then had a seizure and could no longer drive. Oh, so there's so a certain period of t time that he has to go without a seizure to legally be able to drive? At least 12 months, yes. Now, he okay. still legally has his license, but he just does not drive. He choose, yeah. He knows better than to put anyone at risk. So, I mean, he still has it, but we know that he's not allowed to use it because he obviously, he, he averages anywhere from two to three seizures a month right now. And that's the seizures that we can see, not the seizures that, because he has multiple different types of seizures, not just the grand mal seizures. He has something called um, partial seizures or petty malls is what they call them. And his last anywhere from 10 seconds to 45 seconds, and they can happen back to back. Um, some of them are aphasia seizures where he can't understand language. He, he knows what you're saying, but he can't understand it. It's like the teacher from Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. That's what he describes it as. Like he knows you're talking to him. He just cannot understand the word you're saying to him. And he cannot say anything else. Like he, he cannot form words to say, hold on a second. Um, and then there's ones where he just completely blacks out where he'll be sitting there staring off into the distance and no one's home. And then all of a sudden, there he is, he's back. The grand malls are definitely the hardest to go through though. I can imagine. So my mom had a grand mal seizure and that's how they found out about her disease. Um, it's called Moye Moye and all the arteries in the back of her neck have collapsed and they had to attach oh. a arteries from underneath her scalp to her brain. Um, so her seizures were caused by the blood flow to her brain. Actually, her second mm -hmm. seizure was caused because her brain is like the size of an 80 year old's brain. Um, and so she was, she, she was in the ocean and she's bouncing around and they didn't know at the time her brain was so small that it kept bouncing around in her skull and that ended oh up causing goodness. her to have a seizure. Yeah, and that's how they found out that her brain had reduced in size so much from the, the lack of blood flow and everything for so long 
Um, mm-hmm. So she's had two seizures. One we know was a grand mal seizure. I don't know if the second one was, um, but yeah, they are not, they're not fun to be around. Mm-hmm. Like how do you no. manage to, what do you do? What do you do when he's having a seizure? I make sure he doesn't hit his head. I roll him on his side. I tell him I'm there. Everything is going to be okay. I wait until the seizure stops and I make sure that he's breathing normally again. And then honestly, I collapse into a damn puddle on the floor every single time. Yeah. I mean, and then I wake myself back up and I pull myself up by my bootstraps because after a seizure, he'll he'll be out of it for anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. He starts to come around and then um, he's always really sweaty, really tired, doesn't feel well, feels really nauseous after a seizure, keeps telling me repeatedly that, that he doesn't feel well. And I'm like, I know, baby, I know you don't feel good. And then once I know that he's back with me and he starts talking to me normal, not just repeating the fact that he doesn't feel well, I then tell him he had a seizure and he normally responds to me with like, uh, are you serious? Or again, or damn it, you know, one of those situations. And then I just, I mean, I have little moments where I'm allowed to break down, but I have to pick it right back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when was Michael first diagnosed with epilepsy? Does this show up at like a really young age? One in 26 people are diagnosed, diagnosed with epilepsy at any point in their, in their lifetime. Febrile mm-hmm. seizures or seizures that you have due to a high fever when you're a child you are more likely to develop epilepsy in your lifetime if you have a febrile seizure. But that is not the only time. Michael, wasn't, Michael was 15 years old when he had his first seizure. He was sitting in the middle of history class, had no oh, idea shit. he had epilepsy. It wasn't until he woke up in the back of an ambulance. I mean, he was going to go to, into the Naval Academy. He was going to school to become a marine biologist and everything within a second, gone. And this whole new life starts. People don't realize how, what's the word? I'm like, common epilepsy is. Yeah, it's I didn't know. unbelievably common. People, there are more lives lost to sudden unexpected death in epilepsy every year than there are to SIDS. No shit. Yes. Most people, even if you don't have a child, you ask them what SIDS stands for, and they will tell you sudden infant death syndrome. Right. Everybody knows that. You ask somebody what SUDEP stands for, and they're like, I don't know. It's sudden, unexpected death in epilepsy. That that little, I don't want to say the little boy, but um, young man, Cameron Boyce, or however you pronounce his name, um, coroner confirmed he died of SUDEP. He was 20 years old. That's insane. So how is it? Is it because the seizures are so bad or is it because nobody was there to make sure they didn't hit their head or, you know, something bad happens? Like, how does the SUDEP happen? During a seizure, it's an uncontrollable uh, or uh, it's an electrical charge that your brain puts off. Your brain has neurons that fire constantly. That's what makes you walk, talk, get up breathe, you know, all of the different things that your body has to do. And these pathways are created. But at any point in time that these pathways are interrupted, whether it not be connected or formed properly, or there's some type of birthmark or mass or tumor, or like your mother with the reduction of blood flow, which causes 
<clears throat> atrophy to the brain and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, when those, those pathways are interrupted and your brain tries to send that electrical current through to make you do whatever you're supposed to do, that electrical current gets shut off and guess what? So does your brain. That's exactly what a seizure is, is your brain pretty much rebooting because there was a blockage in what it was trying to do and it couldn't get the signal to complete. And then it causes your whole brain to just shut down. So the best way to explain a seizure is when someone pulls the plug on a computer and it just shuts down and then their body starts to pretty much reboot, which is why it takes Michael 45 minutes to come around after a seizure. That's what they call the post ictal. Some people are really, really calm. Some people are really confused. Other people can become very violent and agitated in the post-dictal phase because they're so confused and scared. They don't know what's going on because they don't remember what's happening. There was one time Michael and I went to the beach with Lydia and our friend Dana. And I always, and this, these are the little things that I have to think of. I have to bring an extra person with me to go to the beach. I can't go to the beach with my husband and my daughter. Because I can't keep an eye on my husband in the water and my daughter on the sand at the same time, or vice versa. Someone needs to be with one or the other at all times. So we had gone to the beach. My husband had been swimming out further than I was comfortable with, and we had gotten in a small little argument about it, nothing big. But other than that, our day was fine. We went to go leave, and there are bathrooms right by where we parked. So I told him to stand there with our stuff. I'd be right back. Me and Lydia were going to go change. And I come back and he is drenched in sweat, panicked, and then just like grabs me and I, where were you? He had a complete absence seizure while I was gone and woke up sitting on the beach, had no idea how he had gotten there, where his wife was, where his daughter was, you know, what was going on because he was sitting there alone. We had been there all day, but in that panic of coming out of that absence seizure and being confused, he couldn't remember where we had been. And that we had been there all day. So it's like, you know, situations like that, they're terrifying. And when the way that SUDEP happens is when your body, you know, your brain shuts off and it's during that reboot sequence, unfortunately, sometimes the body doesn't reboot. During that seizure, your diaphragm can just stop working, will not continue to breathe for you, and will make you suffer cardiac arrest. Oh my. Because your diaphragm doesn't work, so your heart doesn't beat properly, so you end up going into cardiac arrest. They can't really tell you what it is that fails first. Is it the heart or the lungs and the diaphragm? They don't know. They just know that it's sudden and it's instant and it's over. Yeah. So and there's nothing that can be done. Unless you're in a hospital. You're right. Unless you're basically. in a hospital. But even but even sometimes in a hospital they can't get you back. Oh, I mean, okay. sometimes your body just won't come back from it and that's one of that's one of the scariest things when Michael had his um surgical EEG on the ninth, they put him you know they had to drill holes into his skull and put these leads into his brain to try and better determine where his epilepsy or where his seizures are starting in his brain and um they had just finished the surgery with wrapping his head and he went into a full-blown grand mal seizure this is with them giving him medicine right before the surgery to to make sure that he didn't have a seizure he still had one and luckily the seizure 
in, or this surgery ended an hour and a half earlier than it was supposed to. They were able to get it done quicker. Otherwise, he would have had a seizure in the middle of them being in the middle of his brain. You know, so it's like, it's crazy to think about that the doctor was able to finish the surgery. I mean, I know what happened. I believe <laughs> God made sure that doctor finished that surgery in time. You know, that that's my stance on it always has been, always will be. He just got my back. But, you know, it's things like that that make it so hard because there are times that there are patients that have seizures on the table during brain surgery and things like that. And it's so stress on the body causes his seizures to be worse, any type of stress, emotional stress, physical stress, you know, just every day being a parent and I don't know, living with epilepsy stress, you know, that we all have stress. We all have it. Exactly. Exactly. So you think when people go stress and lack of sleep or or triggers for his epilepsy. Okay. Well, he also has all these medicines he's on that all of them cause insomnia. Yeah. Lack of sleep, trigger for seizures. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, like certain medications he can't take, whether it be for pain or other things because they affect seizures. You know, it's all sorts of stuff that you have to, it's it's a whole different lifestyle. And most people will, I mean, even my family sometimes, and not saying anything against them, I love my family, but they don't understand. They don't know what it's like to have a chronically ill husband. And it's not that I don't want to hang out with everybody or I don't want to go to everybody's birthday party, but you know, when he's not feeling well, what am I going to choose my friend's birthday party or my sister's whatever, or my brother's whatever, or am I going to be home with my husband? Well, somebody's got to be home with him, right? He he should not be home by himself. I mean, it's inevitable. There's going to be times that I'm going to have to leave him. I mean, I can't be here 24-7. I have to go to the grocery store. I have to go to the pharmacy. I have to, heck, go to the doctor myself sometimes. But But if he's not feeling good, then that's a whole other story. Yes, and that's also why we want to get the Embrace Watch. The Embrace Watch, it's like like $250 or $300. We need to get... uh, a prescription from his neurologist, but we're working on it for that. But that actually alerts me when he has a seizure, like when he's wearing it, it'll text my phone and say, Michael needs help to tell me that he's having a seizure. Yeah. So that's one of the things that hopefully through our GoFundMe that we're going to be able to, to accomplish by the end of this year. And we're going to have the GoFundMe for anybody listening linked up in the show notes. Every little bit counts and you know, we're about to, I'm going to, we're about to get into why, like, why we can't do this. And Michael can't work. He's disabled. Like, and when you guys first met, he could work, right? This, this, yeah. his epilepsy was not as bad, quote unquote, as it is now. Yeah. The older you, with the type of epilepsy Michael has, the older you become, the more seizures you have, the more scar tissue builds up in the brain and the more your brain atrophies. The more your brain atrophies and the more scar tissue there is, the more seizures you're going to have. Michael has an intractable or uh, uncontrollable form of epilepsy. They call it intractable epilepsy because my husband has tried and failed over 30 different medication combinations. 
um, not 30 different medications themselves because there's, I mean, there is that many, but there's not that many that would work for him because once you try a class of medicine, you know, that's not going to work right. no matter what different, what different drugs within that class you try. Right. So he has tried and failed 30 different medication combinations with no success. And, um, one of the medications they actually had him on, um, was, he was on for five years and it made him a completely different person. That's a lot. Another thing that people don't understand with epilepsy is it's, it has to do with your brain. So all these medicines they're putting you on are messing with your brain, which messes with who you are. Right. Um, this particular medication literally has um, warnings against psychotic behavior on the labels mm. because it makes people's mood swings so bad that I, I mean, I'm in so many epilepsy groups that there have been people that have been put in jail because they have just lost their mind on this medication or ended up having, you know, separating from their wife or their, their whatever, because this medication has just turned them into a monster. And I'm like, <laughs> there should be other options for these right. patients that are already dealing with debilitating seizures day in and day out. They're already dealing with all of these side effects for medication to add on to it. That, you know, what quality of life is that? That's not a quality of life when you can't spend it with your children. You can't spend it with your wife. You're constantly angry, depressed, you know, want to blow up at the world. I mean, it was awful. I hate that medication with the fiery passion. So is he off of that medication now? Yes. Thank God. Thank God. Almost two years ago, I believe it was about two years ago that he got taken off that medicine and put on a different one in combination with the death, with the Depakote that he's currently on. Um, but we still have not had complete success. We're still working. We have an appointment in August with his, um, neurosurgeon, Dr. Blashevnik. I, I, I don't know how to spell it. If, if anybody's wondering, they're at USF in Tampa, Florida. Um, <laughs> but Dr. Okay. Blashevnik, he's wonderful. He's, he's extremely intelligent. He's actually doing wonderful work um, trying to determine if brain malformations actually have something to do with mental health conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he's, I mean, he is one of those doctors that wants to help people and you can see it on his face. So like, he's published like 12 different papers, which I've read all of them, didn't understand a lot of them, but still read them because I wanted to know exactly what kind of doctor was treating my husband. But right. we have an appointment with him to discuss or to do the consult for the RNS device, um, which what that is, is it's a little implant that they secure in my husband's brain or on his skull, flush with his skull. And there's a lead that goes into the right hippocampus and the left hippocampus. And it continually monitors his brain waves for seizure activity. And when a seizure does start to form, it takes the electricity from that seizure and kind of reroutes it through the device so oh, that it makes so a cool. closed circuit so he doesn't have a seizure, but it also stores all of the information. And we can go to the doctor every four to six weeks and they upload that information and analyze it and fine tune this little device. And eventually this device will give them the information, hopefully that they need to do a full resection. It's like a surgical EEG, but at home. 
Yeah. But it also helps reduce his seizures in the meantime, hopefully. That's what we're, that's what we're aiming for. So if we can get that done, it may be a couple years before we find out if he is a candidate for a full resection to re- completely remove the part of the brain that, you know, causes his seizures. If not, then we already have the RNS device and that's pretty much as far as we can go. Okay. So what people may be missing here when we're talking, Sam, is so your husband was able to work for the longest time and now he's unable to. And yeah, disability, there's something there, but you're missing like a full income in your family. And luckily you have insurance. However, you're having, he can't drive. You're having to take time off to drive him to all these appointments. and Yes. And I am required to stay in the hospital with him during his hospital admissions. Um, the last one being 11 days long. And during that time frame, I have to find someone to find and pay someone to watch my animals, um, to take care of my house. Not to mention, I'm missing all of those days off of work. <laughs> I'm not working during that time frame. And right. I'm running back and forth to Tampa, which is an hour and a half away. And, you know, a whole bunch of gas and money for food and drinks while I'm in the hospital. Because if anyone tells you that, Oh, they bring you guest trays. Yeah. You eat the hospital food for 11 days. Yeah. Please. Eat hospital food for 11 days and feel me. All right. No, not happening. Like I can bring a bag lunch, but that's only going to go so far. So, you know, like, um, Michael does get disability insurance. It took us, um, we're still catching up from that. But it's, it's nothing just, compared um, to a full-time income. Like no, no, no. He makes, I mean, I'm not even going to, I'm not, his, his, paid, his monthly income doesn't even cover my rent. Right. Yeah. Like, doesn't even cover our rent. It barely, I mean, it might cover a bill or two, but the majority of the bills are still on my shoulders. We, yeah. we, his income was cut. We lost two-thirds of his income. Yeah, people don't realize how little that disability pays when it comes to... Yeah, and let's let's not forget every single time he's admitted into the hospital, and this was our fifth admission so far this year, it's $1,300. Out of pocket, even you have insurance? Out of pocket. Even with our insurance, that's his co-payment. He's on Medicare. I don't have Medicare. He's on Medicare. So he has a 13... Because it's $295 per day for a certain amount of days, up to $1,300 per admission. So every hospital admission, which this will be our fourth or fifth in the past 12 months, is a $1,300 co-payment every single time we walk through the doors of Tans General Hospital. So it's not just those, you know, it's doctor's office visits. He, ha- he had four CT scans when we were in the hospital last time. I mean, these, these are, I mean, most of it is included underneath the hospital bill, but we still get the $1,300 that comes every single time we go to the hospital. Right. And imagine if you didn't have insurance, how much it would be like, this is insane that you have to pay that oh, I much. I work for United Healthcare. Yeah. Yes. I know how much they cost without the insurance. I see those bills. So trust me, I am extremely grateful. Oh, that's not what I was saying. <laughs> I meant like people need to realize like this is with insurance. Like you're still having Oh, and this, is, this isn't just with insurance. This is with Medicare. This is the stuff that people are dealing with when they, um, this is the insurance that your grandma and grandpa have. Right. 
when your grandma and grandpa go into the hospital, they are paying this much money. So when people think about Medicare being like, oh, that's going to take care of my insurance or my bills when I get older, it isn't. Right. And this is, this is, I mean, think as if Michael lived by himself, was an 80 year old man on Medicare and went into the hospital. He makes, you know, give or take $800 a month, but that hospital mission is $1,300. You work that out. Yeah, that's that's insane. You can't you couldn't afford that. Like you just as a retired person, you couldn't. And no wonder the suicide rates for older people are, are so high. Like you can't afford. I, I mean, no, I work for United Healthcare Medicare Complete, and I mean, I have. I will tell you, with the almost eleven years that I've been with United, they have come leaps and bounds trying to help their members. I mean, they do everything they can to save them money you know, give them plans with low premiums. I mean, our plans are the bee's knees. And I'm not saying that just because there are, you know, I've worked there for so long. I even enrolled my husband into one of our plans. That's how much I love them. You know, I would have given him the very best plan. So I gave him one of ours. But these, there are people, literally, older people who have worked their tails off their entire lives, finally get to their golden age, get to retire, and they're trying to decide whether to pay for their medicine or to pay for their electricity. That's insane. I know. I mean, that's ridiculous. I'm thankful for the insurance I have because I have a very expensive mood stabilizer they're going to be putting me on, and it's only going to cost me $50 every three months because of my insurance. And she was like, if you didn't have this insurance, this would cost you hundreds of dollars every month. And I'm like, when my husband, what the fuck? Yeah, when Michael and I first got together, when Michael and I first got together, he wasn't on my insurance, obviously, because we weren't married. Right. His, his Depakote for one month, and this is a generic version, $500 a month. That's fucking insane. How are people supposed to be able to live paying this? And this is, this is part of the reason we, we are linking up the GoFundMe in the show notes. And I'm going to keep mentioning that because I want people to know like every little bit counts. And if you can help out, cool, because this is one, you're working full time. He's, he's on disability. Like it's not like y'all are just sitting around with your thumbs up your ass and you're still having to pay all this money out of pocket just for him to get the care that he has to have. This is not even like a choice. This dude has yeah, to this have is this life care. Sustaining medical tra- treatment, life sustaining medical treatment. If I did, if he did not, I mean, the, the doctors he's seen over the years, they're wonderful, but we've had to go through all of this because he just, he cannot work anymore. Mm-hmm. And I want a point where my daughter doesn't have to worry about her dad. Yeah where she doesn't have to worry about, is daddy sick today? Is daddy feeling better today? You know, I have been extremely fortunate in the fact that Lydia has never seen Michael have a seizure that she can remember. That's very... She saw one when she was a year and a half old, and she's too young to remember it. And I have been, we've been so blessed that she has never actually seen him have a seizure. She's been home when he's had seizures. um, Since I work from home, there was one day... October of last year, I was on the phone with a member talking to them about their plan. And the next thing I know, I can hear Michael having a seizure in the living room. So does he know when they're coming on? No, that's the thing about Michael is he has no warning. 
he has no aura. A lot of people will get a weird like metallic taste in their mouth or they'll see things or they'll, right. they'll smell things. And that's what they refer to as an aura. A lot of people get them when they have migraines too, because migraines, by the way, are just a form of epilepsy. No shit. Um, yes. <clears throat> migraines are another form of epilepsy. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but whenever, whenever Michael has those, those, or a lot of people have those things. Michael, unfortunately, he does not. And I think, hold on one second. I think my thing disconnected. Are we still good? No, you're still good. Okay, just making sure. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but Michael doesn't have any aura whatsoever. He doesn't, he doesn't get any sign. So it's just dropping down. Okay. So there's, there, until he gets this implant or the thing that you're talking about, the $200 thing, um, there's no way for you guys to tell, or is the $200 thing, is, th is that something that's while he's seizing, you don't know it ahead of time? Correct. It, it tells me when he starts to seize. It will okay. not tell me ahead of time. Um, okay. Nothing can predict a seizure coming on unless you have an intracranial EEG, which can actually see the beginning of the seizure. Michael recently had the intracranial EEG done. They wanted to keep him for as long as humanly possible. They were able to keep him for 11 days. Michael could not stay in the hospital any longer than that, um, which, you know, I'm I, I don't blame him. I couldn't deal with it either. Um, but the doctor said the longest admission he had ever had was 93 days in the hospital with leads in their brain. Um, uh, one of the nurses told us that after the surgical EEG that it took one patient five weeks to have a seizure because once they place the leads in the brain, it actually interrupts the seizure patterns. So it can take a while for your brain to recuperate from that and for you to start having seizures again. And unfortunately, Michael couldn't, he just, he's like, I, I understand why we're doing this, but I can't be away from our daughter for that long. I just can't. Yeah, that's and understandable. He, he, I mean, I couldn't, I was in the hospital for six days and I was climbing walls by the time I got mm -hmm. to come home to go back to work, you know, and I had to switch out with my mother-in-law and she had to go up there and then Lydia had to come home with me while I was working and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to juggle all this and do all of this. And I've got side hustles. You know, I do transcription on the side on top of my full-time job to try and help make money. So, you know, I mean, we do everything we can, but we fall short a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some misunderstandings people have about epilepsy? You mentioned some earlier, you know, about, um, how people think that you can choke on your tongue and stuff, but what are some other misunderstandings people you come across when you're talking to people about this? Maybe this could help clarify some for some people listening. Oh, absolutely. Now, one thing is you, you epileptics do not swallow their tongue. There is no such proof that that has ever happened. Um, there's no such communication that's ever that I've ever read. Um, there are, one in 26 people will develop epilepsy in their lifetime. The most times it's due to like a traumatic brain injury or like I said previously, a febrile seizure that um, created that pathway in the brain and then the brain decides to use it. Once a pathway is created in your brain, it always is there forever and ever. So if you have a seizure 
you know, due to a high fever and your brain creates a pathway for that, it's going to continue to have that pathway. Whether your brain uses it again or not is the question. Okay. Because it's so misunderstood. There are a lot of different types of seizures. There's, of course, the tonic-clonic seizures where people, you know, seize and they're shaking and things like that. There's, um, there's partial or petty mal seizures where people blank out or they lose words or they stutter real bad. Um, a lot of people who have conditions like Tourette's, they are mistaken to have epilepsy at first. Oh, okay. You know, like things, things like that. Let me see if there's, there's one thing that I had that I was going to pull up. No, I know. Oh, I think my mom had a petty mall one time cause she literally forgot time. Like she thought that my sister and I were, we, she thought it was the nineties and we're talking about like 2006 and she thought it was like 1996 and my sister and I come in there in her bedroom and we're like, she's like, who are you? And I'm like, well, that's Anna and I'm Megan. And she had to stare at us for a while to even believe us. And she was like, no way. My girls were much younger. And it was, she was out of it like that for about two hours. No idea. Oh so, my God. Still thought she was married to my dad. So she was freaking the fuck out when she realized she was married to somebody else. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, I can, we can laugh now, but I mean, it was fucking scary. Yeah. And it is. And a lot of people don't realize that it affects so many people. Like there are, let me see if I can, I had a whole thing here. Uh, 65 million people have epilepsy in the world. Wow. 65 million. 3.5 million of them live right here in the United States, and half a million of those are children. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. It can start at any age, absolutely any age. It doesn't matter if you are a, a week old or if you are 35 years old. I have, I have a good friend of mine whose mother got her diagnosis for epilepsy at 32. It does not discriminate against age, race, color, creed, gender, sexuality, orientation. It doesn't matter. You, if you are going to have epilepsy, you'll, you will have epilepsy. And people are looked at as less than because of epilepsy. There's a lot of time that epilepsy alone can cause huge learning deficits in children and adults if it's not treated or taken care of fast enough. There are so many misconceptions about it out there. I was actually reading a, a post in a group that I'm in the other day where a woman who had an epilepsy alert bracelet on had a grand mal seizure and was given Narcan. Wait, isn't Narcan the stuff that they give for addicts? overdoses. Yeah. yeah. They give it to people for overdoses. They will look at an epileptic 99% of the time and not believe that they are truly epileptic and believe that they are druggies before they will believe that they have a genuine medical condition. I have a friend of mine whose wife who has had multiple seizures over the past few years. They don't know where they're coming from. They just keep throwing medicine at her. And every time she goes into the hospital for a seizure, they ask her what drugs she took that day. Every time. That's so insulting. It is insulting. It is insulting let, for people, you know, it just, it drives me insane. It drives me insane that people just think that it's 
it's, you know, no, no big deal. No big. Yeah. It's not, it's a made up disease. People up until the late seventies were institutionalized for having epilepsy because they, and, and a lot of people, a lot of regions around the world still believe that it's possession by a demon, that it's, that it's not even real, that it's, you know, and I, as much as I, I don't want to talk badly about people who believe because Lord knows I do very, very much so. But if, it is, you know, I believe God gave us the medical knowledge that we have today, you know, gave us right. the ability to obtain that medical knowledge and why not use it? Yeah. You know, why not? Why, why, are, when something is sitting there staring you directly in the face and people are just, they don't, they don't get that it's just so important. It's everything to some people. You know, my husband, without um, medical intervention, without people, yeah, without medical intervention and without people knowing what needs to be done, he can die. Yeah, he can die, and it's 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 not. I'm not trying to. No, it's the truth. Mince words or, no. or, you know, do whatever. You know, if, if you see someone having a seizure, make sure their head is secure. There's a blanket, a coat, pair of shorts, old boxer shorts. I don't care. Just put something under their head, a pillow, something, so they're not continually slamming their head on the ground. Time the seizure. If it lasts more than five minutes, call 911. No, no seizure should ever last more than two to three minutes, in all honesty. If it goes on for five minutes or longer, they need to go to a hospital immediately. You know, turn the person on their side so they don't, because a lot of times when you're seizing, seizing because of the muscle contractions, it can cause you to vomit. It can also cause you to lose bladder control or bowel control. It sucks. It's embarrassing. They're embarrassed. Trust me. But they need to be on their side because they will often salivate very heavily or they can vomit and they can choke on their vomit that they can choke on not their tongue but anything that was in their mouth previous to going into the seizure or if they do you know vomit they can choke on that don't hold somebody down that's one of the worst things too um holding someone down can actually cause them to break bones or pull things out of socket or you know, hurt themselves really badly because their body's twitching. They have no control over it. Holding it down, holding them down is only going to hurt them worse. And wow. every, anything, anytime you've ever seen anything on a television, they tell you, hold them down, stick something in their mouth. You know, like the exact. You can't trust TV. What, no, you can't trust TV. Stop trusting TV. In any seizure that you've ever seen on a television, sh- television show, that is not what they look like. Yeah. That is not what they look like. They are violent and they are scary, (laughs) but it is not what they look like. So as we wrap up the podcast today, Sam, because it really goes by really fast. What is, it does. does. What is something or collection of things you would like to leave the inspired women audience with? Maybe something we didn't mention, or maybe just kind of wrapping up what we already talked about. I don't know. All I can say is educate yourself. You know someone with epilepsy. You might not know that you know someone with epilepsy, but you know someone from, with epilepsy. Six degrees of separation, and I will guarantee that you know someone with I epilepsy. I do. My grandma. <laughs> 
Exactly. I mean, you don't, for you, you don't even have to do the six degrees of separation, but even, even with six degrees of separation, I guarantee that someone will find someone in their life, whether it be a friend or a friend's child or a friend's friend or a friend's cousin, someone in their life has epilepsy and there are, there's not enough people that know about it. There's not enough people that, that understand how deadly and how dangerous this is. There are children out there that have hundreds of seizures a day. The, you know, my husband has multiple seizures a day. And it's just the more people that know, the safer off these people are. The safer off people who suffer from epilepsy can be. And the more people that understand that purple is the color of epilepsy and November is Epilepsy Awareness Month and that one in 26 people develop epilepsy in their timeline or in their t- lifetime, they will the awareness will start to get bigger and more people that understand and the more people that know about it, the more likely we are to never have to say someone has epilepsy again, to actually be able to provide a cure for patients who have this. Yeah. I love how you gave tips. Cause like, what if you're out somewhere and you see somebody having a seizure now, you know what you can do to help them because you just told us what we can do to help them. You know, the tips that will help us to be able to make them comfortable, but also, Hey, when, when should we call the ambulance? Oh, okay. You should call an ambulance at this point in time. If things don't, if they don't start to come out of it. And so I want right. to say, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this valuable information with us and helping to raise awareness. And I hope that people will go to the GoFundMe, give a dollar, five dollars, fifty dollars, whatever you got, and and help out Michael. And hopefully we can get him the surgery he needs and someday he can live uh, you know, a, a fulfilling life with his wife and daughter. So thank you, Sam, yeah. for coming on the podcast thank today. You. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.